you already said that a couple of times. Hey, and welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me, as always, is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Hello. Hi. So, um, I want to dive in quickly with a sort of follow-up to last week's podcast. I didn't didn't talk enough last week. (laughs) Wherein we talk about The Leap. The Leap. So, last week, to recap quickly, was your 10-year anniversary of you quitting your full-time day job to make the leap into writing full-time. Yes. So I want to encourage people to go look at our website, writinginreallife.com, because there were some good comments from writers about that decision and what goes into it. Um, But there is something you wanted to clarify. Yeah, we got a great comment from somebody named Amanda. And uh, you can see the comment on the site. But she basically wanted me to talk a little bit about the idea of making the leap once you're married and you have children. Um, You know, that was not my situation at the time. And she says, you know, time and commitment shift, or they have for me, and I cannot carve enough hours out of the day, nor enough money out of a paycheck to leap. And I guess, you know, I I don't believe I said this last week, and I hope I didn't imply it, but the leap is not something that I think is necessary to, to begin or enjoy a writing career. There are many authors many more successful than I am who have jobs and who write. There are doctors who write, there are lawyers who write, there are teachers who write, there are all sorts of people who, who do, you know, many things. Uh, you don't have to quit your job in order to become a writer or be a successful author or anything like that. I did. And I got really lucky. And like I said last week, don't do it the way I did it because it nearly blew up in my face. But you know, I really feel for Amanda. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, a, this idea that you should sort of leap forward and be a full-time writer um, and be a starving artist if you have to. Right. Obviously not realistic, particularly if you have family. Sure, when you have, yeah. when you have the obligations like that, of course. And, and it's, a, it's a difficult thing. And, you know, I mean, I did it because I was able to. But as I think I pointed out last week, I had already written Fanboy yeah. and Goth Girl while I was still working full-time. So it wasn't a situation where I had to be a full-time writer in order to become a full-time writer. I realize that's sort of a tautology, but no, but you didn't need to quit to, to write a book. Right. You wrote right. The book I wrote the book working. while, while yeah. I was working and it was a good enough book that it, it got me published. And so, you know, I, I, I would say to Amanda, don't look at it as a situation where it's, Oh my God, how am I going to quit my job? That's the only way I'll become a writer. Look at it as, I need to write a book that can get published. That's how you become a writer. But here's the thing. I'm, especially after the weekend we've had, which I'll talk about. Sure. I don't know how you do it when you are a person with a child who also has a job. No, it's. I'm seriously struggling. It's tough. And, you know, and I'll tell you, I'll tell a story that I didn't tell last week. uh, And I don't tell this story to depress anybody. But I talked last week about how there were other people at my job Mm -hmm. who were trying to do what I was doing. And, you know, one of those guys who had had published some stuff had submitted something to an editor that he knew, not friendly, in a friendly way, but just sort of, you know, professionally. And it submitted something. And this editor came back and said, look, I'm I'm not going to mince words. I don't believe in, you know, being gentle about this stuff. He goes, this is terrible. This is this is really bad. So that that's that's pretty rough right there. And then he goes, and I'm telling you that you should just give up. Wow. 
you know, th- this was is... his name Simon Cowell. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, you know, I got to say, you know, when I first heard about Simon Cowell, I thought, <laughs> wait, I think I know that guy. You know, and he basically said, you know, at your age, with your commitments, this person was married and had kids. You're never going to be able to devote the time wow. that you had that you need to devote to get better than you are. So wow. give up. And I'm saying that I know that sounds horrible, but tr- believe me, I'm doing you a favor. Now. You know, maybe this guy was right. Maybe this guy was wrong. And in some cases... But either way, he's a jerk. Well, sure. But in some cases, it's a kindness, you know? Um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, it is more difficult when you have those obligations. But it's not impossible. And, you know... But, honey, you've never... You've never done this. Sure, I've, I've never done this, but I was about to say, okay. for example... Other people do, yeah. You know, I was about to say, Frank McCourt was 327 years old when he published Angela's Ashes. <laughs> there's there's an example right there. You know, this is somebody who it took most of his life to get to that point. Mm-hmm. He had other obligations. He had family obligations. He was a wonderful teacher. Um, and finally, when he was 327, he published this wonderful book and won all sorts of prizes and everybody lauded him and he was great. Uh, so you can do it. Yes, it is harder. Everything is harder though. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is harder. Taking a shower is harder when you have kids. Yes, it is. Making dinner is harder when you have kids. Getting out the door, trying to get the kid to the park so the kid can do something the kid wants to do is harder when you have kids. Yeah. These things become more difficult and more complicated. Writing is the same. I've seen you struggling with it. Yeah. You know, because of because of the time pressures of a job and a child and me. And these are all things that command your time. Yeah. It's definitely harder, but you know, I specific to what Amanda said, you don't need to do it full time in order to continue doing it full time. Right. And maybe you'll never get to do it full time. Sometimes, sometimes some people just don't get to do it full time. Mm -hmm. Again, like I said, there, there are people with other professions who also write and, and that can be great too. So, you know, to Amanda, Keep doing it and don't focus so much on how do I get to the point to quit my job so I can focus on my writing because that's removing yourself an additional step. You're putting another obstacle in your way, Yeah, you know, cause you're trying to figure out how to quit your job in order to write. No, figure out when you can write. Yeah. Worry so about, worry to, about the writing, worry about the writing, readjust your time as it is right. and work with what you've got. Right. Yeah. And you know, you know, there was a great response to Amanda on the site that I encourage people to read, uh, from Paul who wrote a lot about the complexity of all this. And, uh, and I, you know, that, uh, I think that's how people need to think about it. Yeah. But listen, so I'm coming at this from the weekend we just had, which was not a good weekend. We did not have a good weekend. We no. went down to Virginia for your godson's bar mitzvah, which, which was lovely. That, that was not, not why it was a bad weekend. That was, <laughs> that was the good part. That was the good part. And Leia was the hit of the party. Yes. Everyone loved her. She was so super, she was so great. fun. I took her back to the hotel to get her ready for bed. She went to sleep like a dream. And two hours later, she woke up. Screaming. And she screamed <laughs> from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Yeah. And here's the funny part. No matter what we did, I guess we should point yeah. out we yeah. weren't leaving her in that. No. We weren't yeah. just letting her lie there we screaming, wondering, the- "Gee, what's wrong? Why is she screaming?" Yeah. We were no. trying to soothe her, and nothing we did work. Even the whiskey from the mini bar did not work. He's kidding. 
So I drank all that whiskey. We did not give any to her. I'm not sharing that on a night like that. No, Your but, love um, only goes so far. You're not sharing the whiskey. No, but um, it was really funny because after I put her down for bed, uh, you went back to the bar mitzvah and I had explicitly brought my brand new laptop with me so that I could actually get some writing done right. in the peace and quiet of the hotel room while she was asleep with nothing else for me to do. Like no excuses, right? Sure. Get, get it done. You would have a couple of hours. Right. Sure. Well, I had technical difficulties <laughs> and basically my manuscript would open, but I couldn't edit it. So I got really frustrated and I was like, you know, I, I had plans to do this and I was thwarted by something stupid. Like, no, you, yes. Something stupid. Microsoft. <laughs> this yes. is why I don't use Microsoft I know, products. I know. So anyway, um, that's, that was very frustrating. And then we had the night like we had. And then we ended up leaving the hotel at 4.45 in the morning and skipping all of our planned Sunday activities so we could get back home. Because because, we figured if the baby was going to scream, it makes sense for her to scream at home. Yes, basically. Everyone in the hotel hated us, I'm pretty sure. So, um, and you know, when something like that happens with a baby, it throws not just that night out of whack, it throws the next two or three days out of whack. Sure. Because then you're all catching up. Um, Sunday was a nightmare. (laughs) Well, we meant to record this podcast Sunday night and it's Monday night. Yeah. That tells you right there. Yeah. That, that threw us off. So that was another day of just trying to survive. Um, you know, we literally had like two hours of sleep each combined for Saturday and Sunday and it, it was really rough. So I guess my point right now is I feel for Amanda because I do not know when in my life I'm going to be able to finish this manuscript. Right. And I don't want to be 60 years old and still effing working on this manuscript. (laughs) So I do what I do, which is I get angry and I think this is stupid. Why am I even bothering? I could because now it's a weight on my shoulders, right? Because I think about it all the time, but I don't actually have the space, the mental space to, to do it or the time to do it. Work is really busy. And I know people say that, but like, I work hard during the day. I come home. I'm with her. You and I have half an hour for dinner. I clean the kitchen and then I'm exhausted, but I still have daytime work to do because I had to race out of the office at five o'clock. Like it's, there's, there's just no end in sight. So this is a very first world problem. I know, but well, you know, my feeling on that, the key word in first world problem problem is problem. But my question is like, I know every writer faces this at some point, this question of, I should just give up. What is even the point? It's never going to happen. I'm never going to finish. I can't find the time. I can't find the this or the that. How do you get through that? You know, not not to sound like a broken record, but I mean, y- you do it the way I did it. And when I say that, I don't mean quit your job. It's, again, I wrote Fanboy and Goth Girl while I was working full-time. I wrote three other books while I was working full-time. It was not easy. No, it took me a very long time. Too. I yeah. turned a, a book around in five weeks. Yeah, yeah, when you were ghostwriting stuff. I did it's, not have a baby. Right. It's really, really hard. And I think one of the things that you do is you adjust your expectations in terms of time. You stop looking at this in terms of, you know, well, I used to be able to do this in X amount of time. Or... And I don't know if you do this or not, but looking at me, for example, and going, well, Barry just wrote an entire book in, yeah, in that is two what I months. Do. I look at yeah, you and I'm, in, I'm like, this is ridiculous. But that's insane. That's insane to, to do that because, because, you know, I can be looking at, at somebody else who can do it in half the time I can do it. The books happen in the time that they take. Yeah. And I think 
I think that you have to look at the book itself as its own reward, first of all. And I think that you have to remind yourself that the important thing is finishing it, not when you finish it. It, it, it can be tough. And, you know, the, the, the first lesson that I had to learn a few months ago when I decided to start writing another book. Yeah. And, and I know we talked about this privately and we may have talked about it on the podcast. I had to adjust to the idea that this book would be written in 30 minute spurts. Right. That I, would, of, I was yeah. going to be a sprinter, not a marathoner. Yeah. Instead of my typical pattern, which is to write four hours at a time right. and just grind out huge amounts of words. And instead, it was going to happen half an hour at a time. And that was a huge adjustment for me. Yeah. And it came about as a result of necessity. And I think that that's something that many writers who have other obligations, whether they're kids, whether they're taking care of a loved one, whether they're jobs, multiple jobs, whatever they happen to be, is you really have to get into that mind space of... 20 minutes is valuable time. I can use that. Yeah. It's tough. It, it's, it, it's really tough. It took me a long time to, you know, to get to the point where I was like, okay, I have, I have half an hour to work and it's easier to say it's only half an hour. I'll never get anything done. I'll just mess around on the internet for half an hour, but you can actually get something done in half an hour. And when you string all those half hours together, it becomes a lot of work. Yeah. You know, we talk about something at work called the 20 minute time suck. Yeah. Which is... God, I love that. Right. Is that a thing or did you guys no, come up with I that? No, I think we came up with it. Wow. And by we, I don't mean me. I actually mean a, yeah. a coworker of mine. Um, but basically, you know, sometimes we're, we have to account for our days um, when we're just sort of talking about the, the department overall. And the thing with being in corporate communications is you're helping a lot of other parts of the business. And you get these 20-minute time sucks. And that sounds like no big deal, right? You're coming to me. You ask me something. I help you with it. And it takes 20 minutes. Right. But when you get 10 of them a day, that's 200 minutes. Yeah, that's that's a big chunk of your day. Exactly. And so you start to realize, oh, half of my job is a series of 20-minute time sucks. Right. And you get that work done because you have to do it. So you're saying that is reminding me, like, I do that in my day job. So I'm going to have to do it in my writing night times, too, which is, oh, I have 10 minutes. Okay. Right. I'm going to sit down and use those 10 minutes instead of checking Twitter or whatever. And it's, not, yeah. you know, it's not even that it's just instead of, I don't know, half-heartedly dusting the bookshelves. Well, <laughs> but also I think I, I have two things to say about that. First of all, I think that you need to, instead of looking at it as, well, I've got 10 minutes, I guess I'll work for 10 minutes. Look at it as, wow, I have 10 minutes. Wow. I have 10 minutes. Look at it that way. First of all. And I can't, and I can't believe that I'm the one saying, take an optimistic approach to it. Can I tell you a story about that? Sure. That's actually really interesting. Um, freshman year, I took a class that was all about presenting and, um, each of us had to, there were only like 10 of us in the class and each of us had to present on whatever random topic for the entire class. And it was a long, that was a long time. I was, you know, 18 years old. So this was very nerve wracking. I was the youngest person in the class and I was so nervous back then because I was not a fan of public speaking. And the whole week before I went, I decided to trick myself into getting excited instead of being nervous. So I would do these like affirmations like three times a day and be like, you're an actor. Like, isn't this exciting? You're going to go audition. This is so fun. Oh my God. You're so lucky you get to do this. And I started to believe it by the end of it. So that by the time I got to class, I was actually pretty excited about it. Um, and I think you're right. It's all about changing that mindset to like, 
I was just thinking as you were talking and I mentioned earlier, like, it feels like this weight on me because I'm still working on this. Right. I'm lucky to work on this. I love this book. It's a great book. And I feel like I need to be excited. I need to remember to be excited. You really, you really, instead of looking at it as, ah, God damn, I've only got, I've only got 10 minutes to work on it. It's going to take forever. Look at it as, oh my God, I am going to work on this for 10 minutes. It's going to be great. And look at it that way. The second thing that I want to say, and I can't remember, I talk about this a lot, so I can't remember if I've ever ever talked about it on the podcast, but there's something called the Pomodoro Method Mm -hmm. that I have become a believer in. And this is a quick description of it for our listeners, is that basically you work on a task for 25 minutes, then you take, and you work on it intensely for 25 minutes. You know, you don't mess around with anything else. You're not on Twitter. You're not checking your email. If you know, your kid screams that they put a nail through their forehead, you keep working till 25 minutes is up and then you go take care of it. Uh, and then you take a five minute break after those 25 minutes, you can do whatever you want in those five minutes. Then another 25 minutes starts and you do this repeatedly for about two hours. Yeah. And then you can take a longer, like 30 minute break. And you do as many of these throughout your working day as you can. Obviously, it depends on how much time you have and all that. But, you know, I started doing this a a couple of years ago when I was having some trouble focusing. And one thing that I discovered is there would be days where I would say, I just don't feel like working. I'm like, okay, I'll do one 25-minute session. Yeah. I can, you can do anything for 25 minutes, yeah. right? I'll do one 25-minute session. It's like Kimmy Schmidt. You can do anything for 10 seconds. Right. It's just a series of 10 seconds. It's just seconds. a series of 10 it. seconds, uh-huh. yeah. So I went ahead and I would do it for 25 minutes and take my five-minute break. And I would find out, oh, I got into a rhythm. And then I would end up working for the whole day. And that's fine. But I also, I tell you this not because you don't obviously have the option of continuing to keep doing it, but I tell you this because what always surprised me was that no matter how bad a day I was having, no matter how badly I didn't want to work, I was amazed at how productive I was in a mere 25 minutes when that's all I was doing. And when you're truly focused on it too. Right, right. When you're not letting yourself do anything else, there's a great app out there that writers should know about called Freedom. And basically what freedom does is it's a timer that Mm -hmm. shuts off your internet for a certain amount of time. And there is no way to turn it off once it's (laughs) turned on. Uh, So you tell freedom for the next two hours, I'm going to work, you know, and freedom's like great and cuts you off from the internet and you have no internet for two hours. So the problem, of course, is that you do have a phone right next to you that does have Well, there needs to be a little bit of willpower. I mean, you can also, there are ways to shut down your router and things like that. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do. But so I would say, you know, look at it as, okay, I don't feel like working. I'm tired, but I'm going to make myself work for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't get yourself into that excited mindset, I'm going to make myself work for just 10 minutes and set a timer and you'll be surprised how much you get done in 10 minutes. And you may feel so great that you work 10 more minutes. Right. And maybe you've only got 20 minutes a day, but then you've just used your 20 minutes and you'll feel really good about yeah. it. Yeah. So that's that's what I have yeah. to say. That's- and, you know, it, it is true, too, that the more days in a row, it's just like the gym or any kind of exercise routine. The more days in a row that you don't do something, the easier it is to not do them and to not do it. And I feel I used to have a, a rule when I was actively writing, actively in the middle of writing a new book, which was I have to touch the manuscript at least daily. Right. Like even if I'm just opening it and looking at it for literally five minutes, um, just to, to touch it somehow. And I'm not doing that right now. And I I need to do that. I feel like because the more you know, I had like a week now of not touching the manuscript, and it gets away from me. 
Yeah. And then it, I feel, it's inertia. Yeah. It's inertia. Objects at rest stay at rest. Objects in motion stay in motion. Yeah. And the longer you go without looking at it, the longer you will go without looking yeah. at it. And just like working out, just like anything like that, the first time's the hardest. Yeah. You're going to be sore in the morning. You're going to wish you'd taken some Advil. You're going to say, why did I do this? Yeah. But the more you do it, the better it gets. And also, let, let's be honest and, and let's be fair to you. You are doing what I personally consider to be the worst part of the process. You're doing revision. <laughs> revision sucks. Yeah. And, you know, if you were writing something brand new, hey, it's a brand new shiny penny. It's a new puppy. You know, it's fun and it's interesting and anything could happen. You're doing revision. Yeah. Everything has already happened. Yeah. Now you're just fixing it. it. And, you know, that's, you know, it's fun to build a house. It's not fun to clean a house. Yeah. And you're cleaning the house right now. You're moving things around. You're rearranging the furniture. Who the hell cares? Mm -hmm. And so that's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, be, 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 be gentle with yourself on that one. Well, I'll try. <laughs> Thanks. So I mentioned in last week's podcast that I wanted to talk about BEA. Ah, oh, yes. Book yeah, Expo. So yeah. two weekends ago was Book Expo. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little salty, which is... By, by the way, I had never heard that term before I was with you. Oh, really? Other than to describe, say, corn chips. <laughs> so perhaps for our, our listeners who... Similarly, do not know this term. You could explain what you mean by it. I was a little bitter because I love... What is this flavor thing? Salty? Bitter? (laughs) I love Book Expo. I had tickets to go through work, and I scheduled my day, which was going to be the same day that you were there um, on a panel and doing a signing, and I thought, oh, that's great. I'll swing by and see my husband. And work has just been so insane that... I literally just could not get out of the office. So everybody at work who's listening to this, you're all fired. <laughs> so that sucked. Okay. Yeah. So then I was like, fine, I'll go Friday. No big yeah. deal. Same exact thing happened Friday. And I think we were gone over we the were, weekend. Well, we were gone. Yeah, Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I didn't have an option. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm upset because I, I didn't get a chance to go when I had every opportunity in the world to go, except for the fact that my day job kept me too busy to go to a perk of my day job. Day right. job. So, um, anyway, but I really like conferences like that, especially uh, BEA. I mean, the BookCon is huge and it's so much fun for readers. And, um, so, you know, I enjoy that, but you come from it as the writer. Yeah. Tell us how you feel about things like BEA and what was your experience this year? I, you know, I generally really like sort of, you know, there there are two different sorts of conferences or conventions. There's sort of the professional ones where business gets done. And then there are the ones that are aimed at readers. Um, I enjoy both for different reasons. You know, with something like Book Expo, people from all over the publishing world and all over the physical world come to it. And it's great because it's an opportunity for me to see people that I don't get to see a lot. I have a lot of good friends in publishing who live very far away Mm -hmm. and they come into town once a year and that's for book expo and I get to go see them. And that's terrific this year for book expo. I was really sick. So I did not see a lot of people. I did my panel. I had lunch. I tried to rest as much as I could. Then I did my signing and I came straight home to collapse. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy it. It's a great opportunity. You know, you get to promote what you are doing directly in this case to booksellers, yeah. you know, book expo exists as a way for publishers to talk mostly to people who run bookstores and it's great. You get to meet these people and, and get them enthusiastic about what you're doing. And, and, you know, it's, 
it, it's the same reason why when I was a kid, I loved going to comic book conventions. Right. Because these are your people. Yeah. You know, what do you love? Books. What does every single person in this entire building love? Books. You all love books and, and you just get together and hang out and it's really great. And, and it's a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. So I had a really good time. Even though I wasn't feeling well, I had a very good time. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, maybe next year for me. <laughs> maybe next year. We'll make sure next year happens somewhere. Actually, next year is going to be in Chicago. BEA? Really? Yeah. You know, Book Expo used to be in different cities every year. Okay. I think they had three or four cities that they would alternate through. And then when the economy tanked several years ago... They had they were already scheduled to be in New York, and they just decided to stay in New York because um, so much of publishing is already in New York yeah, that it was money. it saved a lot of money for people. So I'm guessing that maybe this is a good sign. Yeah, that they're moving, they're going back to Chicago next year, and I think it it, it was in Los Angeles one year. I went to it in Los Angeles one okay. year, and I think maybe D.C. I think those are the four yeah. cities wow. that it would cycle through. All lovely cities in the middle of the summer, by oh, the way. Goodness. God, I mean, what are they thinking? We should be holding We should be holding this damn thing in North Dakota. Yeah, is where we should be holding it. But they won't do that. <laughs> I think that would triple the population of North Dakota. It probably <laughs> would. No offense to our North Dakota listeners. We we love your state. It's a fine, fine state. It's just cold. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about pro- uh, current projects. Current projects. I'm very excited. Well, we've already talked about yours. We have, which is I'm nowhere. <laughs> Same, same sob story. Right, right. But, but, but yeah, you yeah. feel a little better now. I do feel a little better. I'm having an attitude adjustment, as my dad used to tell me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and you, you fixed Microsoft Word. I did. So you can now actually get into your document and do what you have to do. <laughs> I actually haven't yet. I have to do so. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm excited where you stand right now because you sent your big old project. I sent my new, my, my new manuscript to my agent on Ooh. Friday. So that was good. I have... No idea how long it will take her to get through it. Yeah. I have no idea what her response will be. Sometimes she will read something of mine and go, this is great. Let's get it right out there. Sometimes she will say, this is really great. Have you thought about X, Y, or Z? And uh-huh. then, you know, we sort of go back and forth for a little while. Uh, and sometimes she will say, this is great, but let's wait. Yeah. Um, and in particular, right now, it is summer. And book publishing gets very slow mm-hmm. in the summer and tends to shut down for the most part. So she may decide, you know what, we should wait until the fall to send this to, to editors to have the best chance. So I have no idea what will happen with it. I'm just trying not to think about it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk quickly about um, something that happened the other night with regards to it, which was sure. uh, when I read your draft, oh, I read God. it as you sent it to me. Yeah. And... Um, I didn't give you a ton of feedback in terms of, of critiquing. Other than crying. Other than crying for days on end. But uh, I did suggest that there were two scenes at the end that I thought you needed to just take another look at. And, and interestingly enough, they were two scenes where I had already been thinking, man, right. I, I need to work on those. Right. So that was a good confirmation they, for me. Good, because they were important scenes and they were they were good, but I, I just wanted you to have another look. So you did. And you sent me the updated pages for one scene in particular. And I read it. And... There was something in there that I couldn't, like, it, it was so funny because I don't remember how many pages it was, but eight. let's say it was, oh, there it we go. It was eight, eight pages. pages. And I was like, okay, pages one through five of this scene, I'm on board with, love it, don't change a thing. When you get to about five and a half, 
to six and a half, <laughs> I had a problem there. And I couldn't even articulate to you what my problem was. But right. we walked through a couple of things and, and whatever. And it turns out that the things that I had a problem with are, they were the new words. That they you were things added. I had just added, yeah. <laughs> but it was so funny. So clearly I did not fix the problem. <laughs> but I also, I don't know, it's just, it's frustrating when like, I, I'm like, this is great, but there's one part about it that's not working for me, but I can't figure out what what that part is. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome for the not helpful. Yeah. Critique. I mean, ultimately, like, <laughs> ultimately, I spent some more time with it, and I realized I just you couldn't go. I I, I I didn't know what was bothering you about it. Yeah. And I felt like it was better than it had been. Yeah. So I decided to give it to my agent. Yeah. And, and we'll she may have something to say about it. I, you know, I I don't think it's the kind of thing that would make an editor go, oh, well, Never I mind. won't buy this. Yeah, like, I, I, I really don't no, think. No, I agree. I hope that no editor would read this 300-page book. And, and because of those, because of that page one page, you know, yeah. page 275, you know, go, oh, well, nope, <laughs> nope, you had me up until there. Nope, I'm done. Yeah. So hopefully that will not be the case. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm working on. This, I love this. And, and this, this is, is fascinating. I will probably write a blog about this because I'll go more in depth about it. Yeah. But just briefly, because I don't want to go on too long and bore people. Well, but, basically, I got a phone call from you this morning saying. Well, last night I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Last night I could not sleep. And something popped into my head. So this is the book, The Secret Sea, which is my middle grade book that comes out in the spring. And in the original draft, there is a, uh, a certain plot point that my editor felt very strongly about. And she and I went back and forth, and I really liked it, and she was, she was bothered by it. I don't want to say she didn't like it, but she was bothered by it. And we went back and forth and back and forth, and eventually I came up with a way to change it that still met the needs of the plot, mm-hmm. but removed what was bothering her about it. Right. And I thought, okay, good job. I feel good about that. And over the past month or so, I've begun to regret that. Okay. I've started to think, no, you know, I, I really, I really wish it was the way it was originally. And then last night I couldn't sleep and suddenly it popped into my head how to have it both ways. And I felt like you needed it because it's such a simple solution. It's a pretty obvious It's one. a risk. Yeah. Thanks. It's such a simple, obvious solution, and it would have been a two-minute fix yeah. a few months ago yeah. instead of the you know four-hour fix that I ended up doing. And so I made a quick note to myself about it, and then I went to sleep. And this morning I woke up, and before you left for work, I said, hey, what about – and I mentioned it to you, and you were in a hurry, and I was half asleep, and the baby was crying. And you were like, uh, yeah, well, okay, well, yeah, and then you left. You said, that sounds cool, and then you left. And I thought – all right, I got to look into this. And I called my editor, yeah. like, first thing in the morning, when the right when the office opens. It's just what she wants, I'm sure. And I said, <laughs> hey, remember that bit? And she goes, yeah. And I said, what if we did this instead? And she went, Barry, I think that really works. <laughs> and I said, how far along are we? Like, I don't know how right, far like, along in the process the book. I mean, the book it. comes out in, in, you know, anywhere between six and ten months. Yeah. So I had no no idea where we are with that. And she said, let me find out. Let me find out where we are. Let me talk to production. And 20 minutes later, I get an email from her going, if you can do it by the end of the week, we're good. Wow. And so I'm doing it. I am going to, you know, again, if I had come up with this a month ago, it would have been like literally two lines of dialogue. Now I have to go back and sort of reconstruct the old way, yeah. make sure that I haven't left any artifacts of the new way. Right. 
and oh. then add in those two lines of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. That's what I will be doing this week, which is good because I, you know, other than taking care of the baby and and geeking out over the uh, the Apple keynote, mm-hmm. I really didn't have much to do this week. Yeah, so that's good. Now I have something to do <laughs> to take my mind off the fact that my agent is reading my new book. Right. That, exactly. Yeah. Distract. Yeah, exactly. You were like the baby. Quick, distract I, her while I clip her nails. <laughs> I'm in so many ways like the baby. <laughs> All right. Do we have any recommended reading or what are you reading now? I um, I just finished reading a book that I won't get into. It was, I read it sort of on a lark. It, it was called uh, On the Firing Line, My 500 Days at Apple. It was written by the, the guy who was CEO of Apple before Steve Jobs came back. And uh, the book was written in 1998, which is right after Steve Jobs came back. So way, way before Jobs worked his miracle and turned Apple into this big company. And the book is just hilarious because the guy is second-guessing Jobs and basically saying Jobs is an idiot. And you're reading this book and going, oh, no. no idea what's about to Dude, no. <laughs> so so that, that was sort of funny. Yeah. But, uh, but I do want to recommend a book okay. to people. And uh, that book is Teen Boat. It is a graphic novel by uh, Dave Roman and John Green. Not that John Green. A different John Green. And it's a graphic novel about a teenager who can turn into a boat. (laughs) And it is awesome. It's hilarious. I adore it. Dave Roman is Raina Tugamai's husband, right? Yes. 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 I knew Dave before I knew Raina. I knew him in my previous life working in comics. Ah, He and I knew each other. Uh, I met Raina after that. Um, I think they were just dating at the time that I knew Dave. But uh, a friend of mine who was the editor on this book sent it to me. It's a couple years old at this point. I think a sequel is coming out soon. And a buddy of mine who was the editor sent me this book and said, you just got to read this. And it's just, it'll take you an hour (laughs) to read it. It is a hoot. It's just, cool. it's a teenager who turns into a boat. That's like, really funny. How can you not read that? How Seriously, is this book, how, how did this book not win the Pulitzer? Seriously, like, yeah. it's the greatest thing ever. So there That's you funny. go. What about you? I am currently reading um, Ravencliff by Carol Goodman, which is the sequel to a book I loved called Blythewood. I was going to say, we have heard the name Carol we Goodman have. before. Um, and it's one of those funny things where I loved Blythewood when it came out and I, Carol Goodman is an author for whom I, I buy every one of her books, regardless of whether I've read anything about it or know what the plot is. Um, so anyway, so when it, when book one came out uh, at this point, probably two years ago, I loved it and I made a mental note to buy book two when it came out. And then I guess somewhere along the way during my pregnancy and babyhood, I totally forgot about it. I never, <laughs> like, I just, so it was just sitting forgot. There. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so now I'm reading it and it's great cool. and, um, super captivating and yeah. So very good. That's where I am. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Visit us online at writinginreallife.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us in iTunes while you're there. It's just an extra step. So we'll be back next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.